everybody, it's the MPG Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Josh Mosler. This week I got Josh Austin. What's up, man? What's going on, man? How's it going? It's going well. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, glad to be here. Um, we've just had like an entire like lengthy conversation about real estate before we even jumped on the air, so we'll have to j- jump back into it here a little bit. Yeah, we went way over time. <laughs> um, I guess I'll just start with the classic question, which is um, 18, you graduate high school, kind of what's the trajectory from then till what you're doing now? Oh, okay. So, um, 18, I went to, had no direction really. I mean, I was a classic kid. I did really well in school. Uh, school wasn't, uh, particularly difficult. Um, you know, I, I, I found myself not having to really study math is something I excelled in terrible with English and things like that. Um, but you know, did the class, you know, did the obvious route of going to college, uh, went to Georgia Southern, I found myself there a year. In that time, I changed degrees several times, and I, you know, I was doing well still. But it was a, I think it was a, a flash of reality of now I'm, I'm actually having to study and and go to class and <laughs> and um. But man, just was still, I just didn't have any clear direction. You know, at that point, you've been in school your whole life and you're doing what you know what you're supposed to do, quote unquote. I was thankful I didn't have to take on any debt or anything. I had the Hope Scholarship. Parents were really supportive, so they were covering the every you know the excesses on top of that. But after about after about a year, I I really just felt like I was kind of headed in a direction I just wasn't happy with. So we um, I'm actually transferred to Armstrong. It was Armstrong then here in Savannah. It was for a girl, which you know not something in hindsight I would I would suggest. <laughs> But I found myself in that first semester, I think I went to class for a week and I just decided, yeah, I think I'm done. So I started, my mom owned a cleaning business. So I just went and started cleaning toilets and, uh, and, you know, just trying to figure out, just wanted to make some money. And, um, and then just a few months later, the next January, I got a opportunity to join, uh, the longshoremen here in Savannah. So, uh, we opened up our books. My stepdad asked what he did um, his whole career. So I joined that and um, man, I had to go through like a spitfire learning of learning how to weld. So I spent like six weeks just literally burning through welding rods like every night learning how to weld. Like with your uh, stepdad? Or? Yeah, okay. yeah. And um, he wasn't the best teacher. <laughs> so he, you know, he had moved into, he was, he was a refrigeration mechanic. So he hadn't welded in years, you know, so here's this guy te- trying to teach me how to weld. So, but I was just determined. I was like, I'm going to get this job. And for me, it was going to be a lot of money. It was like, you know, $16 an hour at the time, you know, it was, it was 2007 and, um, you know, I was, I was 20 years old. And so, um, and I had, you know, didn't have any other bills. So it was like, you know, it was a good opportunity. And I knew there was upside in that too, like later. So, that was just the starting pay. So anyways, I failed the test coming in, but thankfully they had, there was a, you know, backup program you could do. And basically long story short, I uh, ended up having to go through a, another small class at Savannah tech. And after I, I passed that, that class, so they let me in. So, um, so during this time we started, uh, I started renting an apartment um, in Rinkin with my girlfriend at the time. And it's funny as, as I was preparing for this podcast, I, I start thinking through some of these things. I'm like, man, this was like some <laughs> accidental, like cool things I was doing. Um, but it was really just out of necessity. I was broke. Um, but we, I was still cleaning the, with my mom 
And so I was learning that business on the side too. And so we rented this apartment for like five fifty a month and we got a contract to clean the breezeways at the apartment complex. And I, I, I think we were getting paid around $1,100 a month. So I was basically house hacking an apartment rental, you know, which was really cool. It was like, I was like five fifty to the good. Uh, we stayed there for probably, I guess, close to a year. And then this was 2007. So the end of 2007, I decided I'm going to buy a house and you know, they were offering loans to anybody if you could fog a mirror then. And so I, at the time, I think I was making like four fifty a week, bring home and I get approved for this house. I think it was like 140,000 little house in the South Effingham area. And the payment, the interest rate was almost 7%. I mean, that's crazy, right? So that's almost crazy. 7%. Yeah. 2007. So I, I, I oh, did was a that standard in 2007. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess. I don't know. I, I didn't know it. But yeah, I mean, looking back, I mean, that was pretty common. It was like 6.625 and um, was the interest rate. So almost 7%. It was 100% financing, like a FHA or no, it was, it was a USDA loan, I believe. Um, so so I get in this house, no money out of pocket, basically. And my payment is $1,100 a month and I'm making four fifty. So you can do the math. Like It was taking over two of my paychecks just to pay my mortgage. So I knew, and, and again, this wasn't because I was savvy in this at all. I had no idea anything about real estate investing, but it was more of an out of necessity. So the day I actually bought it, I'll, I'll never forget, it was September 11th, 2007. So I just remember that. Um, so the day I moved in, it was me, my girlfriend at the time, and a roommate. So from day one, I was like basically house hacking that place. But again, not because I knew what that was. It was just uh, out of necessity. Um, so... Fast forward, uh, you know, I don't want to breeze through this too much, but um, 2010, I just, I really, I, at this point, I'd been at the ports for three years and no direct, and still no direction, you know, young kid with just not really know what I'm doing. And at this point, obviously the, the market had crashed my house a year after I bought it. I think my neighbor was foreclosed on and then the new guy that moved in paid 70 grand for his half of what I paid for mine. So So you're way upside down. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, um, and at this point, you know, roommates are moving out because they're moving on with their lives and I'm struggling, you know, making $1,100. My pay, my pay had gone up some, but still it was, it was a huge burden. Um, so I, let's see, I I continued, uh, living there, but in 2010, man, I just hit like kind of rock bottom. I had, I had, I had accumulated a lot of debt. I had, I had probably 30 or $40,000 in credit card debt. I had a car payment. I had a motorcycle payment. I had this huge, and that was just every dollar I was making was just going to the man. And I hit some pretty deep depression and it just, it, it rock. I mean, it was just a, it was a whirlwind of emotions, and everything. I mean, you want to get like real heavy. Like I was, I was contemplating some pretty radical things, you know? And, um, but man, praise God. I ended up, ended up ending my relationship with that young lady and, uh, really just trying to figure out what, what was going on in life. What is this all about? And, uh, man, the Lord, uh, a few months later brought, uh, my, my now wife into my life and, you know, she's just did something simple. Just said, Hey, why don't you come to church? So, uh, I did, man. And it was, you know, ultimately, uh, the Lord really gave me a lot of hope and, uh, 
saved me and and man it's just like a whole different worldview you know stepped in yeah and uh you know i, I bring that up because you know as we get later in the story uh perspective that i have now is really found, built on that foundation right because as we get later on i start having kids and stuff which i start actually turning my eye to real estate investing i mean that's kind of my big why um you think about this is more than just us here you know there's there's bigger things at play so so fast forward, I was able to refinance the house. There was some program that I think Obama had done at the time. Even if you were upside down, you could refinance your house. So I ended up dropping my interest rate from 6.625 to 3.3. So it literally dropped by over three points. Dang. Yeah, it was crazy. And it was such a huge burden off of me. I was really close. I ended up having to borrow some money from a close friend to keep from getting foreclosed on. And you still had the roommate and everything? Um, at this time, no, I was living, I was living alone and, uh, but man, once I was able to refinance, I think I went from $1,100 payment to $800 payment and that extra 300 was huge. Oh yeah. Um, so I, so when eventually, you know, Katie and I, we get married, um, and Katie actually had a, uh, a rental property in Statesboro. She was living in that before we got married. It was a four bedroom, four bath that her dad had bought her when she went to college. He said, Hey, well, they bought it together, but he, you know, he, he, yeah. he brought the money, yeah. but he just said, Hey, like, you know, he's smart enough to say, Hey, I can throw rent at, at a, at a place or we can buy a place and we can rent it out and you can kind of cash flow or house at. So that's what she did. And so when I met her, she had this place. And so after, after we got married, she moved in with me. We were living in that same house that we were in and we started renting that place out to college kids and it was the worst experience ever. That <laughs> was awful, man. Um, gosh. Why well, just like lots of things breaking or like, what were some of the challenges you had with that? So, you know, now in hindsight, um, there was, uh, there was, I wasn't, I wasn't really satisfied with some of the ways the property was being managed. Um, with, with it, in a college town, you have turnover every year. And really the key to any single family home being successful from a rental standpoint is you really need to keep your vacancy down. So we're having turnover every year. In addition to that, it wasn't like, oh yeah, let's get it cleaned up and back rented. It was always three or $4,000. I mean, these college kids, you can imagine, they, they didn't care. Yeah. And so... You know, now I'm moving more towards family model where I've got families moving in and people just take people are just more inclined to take care of things. Um, so so we ended up selling that, um, I think, in 2016. And we, we didn't really we made a few grand on it. I think we split it with her dad, you know, so it was fine. But I think it was more just getting the burden off of it. Well, that same year, I that's when I started. So well, let's back up 2015. We found out we we're pregnant. Um, when my first daughter, she, well, we didn't know she was, we didn't know she, we didn't find out. So she was, she was born, but so here I am working at the ports and I had, I'd, I'd come into this kind of position where I could go in early in the morning and get off and I'd basically be off half a day. I, I was kind of a quota based position I was doing and I'd kind of fallen into a rut over a couple of years where I would get off, you know, 11 o'clock and come home and take a nap we didn't have kids or anything you know and uh come home and take a nap maybe do something around the house and you know it was just that's just what it was and i'd i had started working on clearing up some of that debt that i talked about earlier um but hadn't got really serious about it 
I went out and bought this new Jeep and thought it was really cool. <laughs> and, uh, well then, um, so mid 2015, we found out we were pregnant with our first kid and man, it was like, it was Go like, check. Oh yeah. It was a light bulb, just kind of moment of, man, I got to get stuff together. <laughs> and, uh, so no joke. I sold my Jeep. I bought this like three or $4,000 truck that had like the, didn't even have the power locks, you know, power windows, you know? So I'd be the guy like leaning over, like, what, you know, uh, rolling the window <laughs> down the passenger side. Um, so I bought this beat up truck and I just, I just got to work. I got to work, get clearing up debt, really being intentional about my budget. At this point, like how much debt did you have? Like, do you mind saying? Um, yeah. So we had a car that we probably owed about 13,000 on. I probably had about $10,000 in credit card debt. Still, and then I still had the house. There was there was other things too. I, I might have had $2,500 on this credit card. And I'd sold the motorcycle, which was a huge burden off of me. Um, so maybe like $25,000 now mortgage? Yeah, yeah, twenty five or thirty thousand, um, and you know my income had come up by by this point too, and so over the years as I was paying off some of this debt, I had already been kind of working, but I just not had not accumulated a lot more debt. Um, my wife didn't my wife didn't have any debt. Her parents raised her right. Um, so yeah, so we started paying off all the debt, um, and then I knew I was like, okay, well. I still had this problem. I was coming home and I wasn't doing anything. I mean, I was getting off. I'd be home at noon every day. And uh, I was just, I was just like so convicted, man. I was like, if I have a son, I just don't want him to see me coming home and thinking this is normal. And I knew that wasn't going to last forever, but you know, still I was just kind of burdened by that. And so I decided in January, this, my daughter was born in January. I decided I was going to start working for a, a friend of mine, her dad's property management company. And that's where it, uh, Frank Moore Company. Our, Mr. Frank, his daughter Meredith, and I went to school together. We've known each other since we were in kindergarten. And her husband and I are really good friends, Justin. Well, my plan was just to come in and start doing some painting, handyman type stuff. My my grandfather was a general contractor. I grew up in that world. And so I had, you know, I had some skills there. Um, and within like two or three weeks of just helping them out doing stuff, Mr. Frank just sat me down and said, Hey, do you want to come in the office and do some stuff? I said, okay, sure. So I started doing that. Um, one thing led to another. I got into doing, um, all of our, our accounting for all of our landlords. And that's when the next light bulb went off. At this point we'd, we'd paid off the car. We'd have paid off all the debt. We were working towards saving up for our emergency fund. Um, and for a new house, we were at this point, we were starting to think, okay, maybe we need to get a bigger house once we start having some more kids. Um, but man, when I was sending out these owner payments, um, man, <laughs> like that was a realization of like, you know, we might have a client who gets $20,000 a month and we're doing everything for them. And we're just, I'm just, I'm literally writing that check out, you know, let me just ACH transfer, but like, wow. How do I get on the other side of this transaction? Right. Um, Frank, you know, Frank, Frank is my mentor. I mean, he is, he's my broker mentor. He's, he's been so great to work for and work with. And I think anyone in that position, they want to see other people have that desire and move in that direction. So 
he was very readily available to give advice and counsel and encouragement. So I knew I was like, okay, well, I just got to start saving. And so my plan was going to be, okay, the current, the house we live in now, that'll be my first rental. I'll turn that into my first rental. So I need to buy a new house first. That's what, that was, that was going to be my first step. And so we're saving. And at this point we're living pretty frugally. So we're saving like really well. We'd cleared out the debt, got small emergency fund. We really did the whole Dave Ramsey uh, thing. Model. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then about the same time as when I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, which <laughs> you know, which <laughs> led me down a little bit different path. You know, Dave, Dave would be really mad at what I'm doing now. Unstoppable force meets immovable object. Yeah. So, um, but man, we're like saving, and this is this is 2016. We continue to save, gosh, until 2018. So for for two years, we're just I'm, I'm my head's down. I'm working. I'm saving. You know. We're we're enjoying life, you know. We're still doing some small traveling and everything. We we definitely had some some opportunities to do stuff like that and think freed up with finances. But um, I think it was the end of two thousand eight. Oh no, okay. I, I I get my license. Okay, that's an important part of this. As I'm progressing on, I'm like, okay, well, what path do I want to do? If I'm gonna get on the other side, I decide I'm gonna get my license. So, and what was the thinking? Um, well, I'd always been. I'd always been fascinated with real estate. Um, I'd never been in a, a position of sales, but I just always had this kind of small, arrogant idea that maybe I'd be good at it. Um, I It's like the feeling when you go to a restaurant and your waitress just isn't doing their job well. And I'm like, man, I could stand up right now and put this apron on it and go do your job. You know? And I, listen, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't mean to be, I, that's not- Partially kidding. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, but I know I really, I just, I was passionate about helping people. I was really good at numbers. I'd always, everyone's, everyone likes real estate. You know, like it's just something we're all, I think a lot of people are drawn to. I mean, like who doesn't like money? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But really I, I knew that if I was going to stay at Frank Morgan company, that was the obvious next step. Yeah. I couldn't, you're limited as a, as an administrative, you know, assistant or someone doing clerical type stuff. You can't, um, there's certain things you can't say without a license. You can't give advice. You can't give counsel. So you're limited as an employee, but you're also in some ways a liability for your broker. It's it's so much easier as a broker if if, if all of his team had licenses. You know they can be um, they can they can give counsel to their clients and everything. So so there was a lot of times where I'd have someone on the phone and I knew what their account was. I knew everything about them, but I had to pass them off to the property manager because I couldn't have certain conversations with them. Right. So, um, so that was the thinking. Um, and it took way too long. It took a year to get my license. Um, just cause I, everything else going on and I just wasn't making it a priority. I finally made it a priority. I got my license. I'm trying to think, was that, I guess it was 2018. Yeah. Summer of 2018 when I got my license and then it was three months later, I helped um, a friend of mine close their first deal. It was a duplex in Rinkin. And man, like I was more excited. The commission was probably three grand. I don't yeah. know. But I was more excited running the numbers and about the deal that he had gotten <laughs> than I was about my commission. And I think that was the first sign that, wow, I'm doing something that I am passionate about. And this is going to be something I want to do. Um and that deal to this day is a home run deal. He paid one forty five for it and it rents out for two grand a month. And this is two thousand eighteen. It was a great deal. I'm sure it's appreciated a bunch in Rankin. Um 
I don't know. And the, the challenge right now with duplexes in Effingham is there's not a lot of comps. And so we just had some refinanced and the numbers didn't pan out where we wanted them to be um, for some, some of my other clients. But the, it doesn't matter. The cash flow is there. Yeah, it, yeah. it just doesn't matter. But we pulled out all the stops. My first deal. I just read Chris Voss's <laughs> book, uh, uh, Never Split the Difference. Yep. And so, man, I, we pulled out all the stops. We... Uh, we we wrote a letter. Um, there was a the dad of the person selling was living in one of the units, and so we wrote a letter saying, "Hey, we're not going to kick your dad out. We're going because there was uh, there was probably six or seven other offers on the on this place. So, but yeah, it's a great deal. And, and that guy now is one of my partners on some of the other properties I have. We'll talk about those in a little bit, I guess. But um, so I I did a couple of closings that year. Going into 2019 is my was my first full year in the real estate, and that's uh, I, I, that's the year I bought my new house, um, and turned my old house into the rental. The new house I bought was a foreclosure. The numbers on that were really cool. That was fun because we you know we had been saving. Uh, no, I got to go back. I bought a house in 2018. I bought a condo. Okay, uh, well, right, it's so, separate. Yeah. This, oh yeah. So this is okay. this is fun. This is actually this is actually an interesting way to find deals. All right, so to end of 2018, I told you we've been saving to buy our new house. Yep. Uh, one of our property managers comes into the office and says, hey, guys, I just got back from the courthouse. He was filing evictions. And so he, he'll, he'll get to talking to people that are there filing evictions. And he'll ask them, like, hey, are you interested in selling? You know, and obviously they're in a position right now where they're like, yeah, let's sell this place. All right. So he had run into someone, and they had three of these condos. And they said, yeah, man, we want to sell them. They had bought them. Um, as foreclosures on the courthouse steps. They, had, they didn't really have a lot in them. And so he brings it back to us and says, hey, so-and-so, we, we, we do the guy because we managed the complex, so we knew him. He said, hey, he's ready to sell. So Justin and I, we sat down. We said, okay. Uh, we, we ran some numbers. Um, we we put together a opportunity for me to buy one, me and my wife to buy one, him and his wife to buy one, and then we sent a third one out to one of our clients. So we got them all in a contract together. My wife was extremely pissed about this because <laughs> here we are saving for a new house. And I'm like, hey, honey, we're going to take that savings and we're going to buy an investment <laughs> property instead. Um, yeah, she was not excited. But I promised her, I said, listen, like we, we're still going to go down the path of doing that. It's just we're delaying it six months. This is too good of a deal to pass up. So we bought that. It was I think it was 50000 is what we paid for it. And then I pulled my commissions out of it. So I was at like around forty eight. Um we put, I think we, we spent about 11000 uh, renovating it. So I had, let's say I had sixty into it and then um, ended up burying it later. But so anyways, ended up having, I had to put twenty I had to put 25% down, did the traditional route. I didn't know anything about burying at the time. Did 25% down and then cash flowed the, the renovations on it. So fast forward the next. Uh, Wait, so you use like a bank. Like a traditional. Yeah, way. we use Wartman okay, Circle. Okay, Wartman okay. Circle. Oh, Wartman yeah, Circle. Yeah, okay. Chris. And, Shout out to Chris Montani. Yeah, <laughs> man. He's, no, he's great. He, he really is great. Um, yeah, and I still use them for some things. I bought one this year using them. Um, yeah, so, okay, so fast forward that next spring, we end up um, buying uh, the foreclosure in Effingham. We we had just continued to save that that didn't deplete all of our savings so we still had we still had some we had enough and because we were buying as a primary residence um, we could get into it for less money down right, yeah but the the numbers on that were pretty interesting we this actually this house sat on the market for sixty days 
Um, it was one of those houses where I think during the first 30 days, it's home path where it has to be a homeowner, a primary residence for you to buy it. Oh yeah. Okay. And then after that, it's kind of opened up to investors. Um, and uh, we don't have to get into all the numbers, but it ended up being a great deal. We, we, we paid uh, two eighty for it. Uh, we had to put. We did a construction loan. This was my first introduction to a construction loan with Bank of Newington, and we basically put down the fifteen percent. They would come in and do a subject to appraisal, which is basically an appraisal to say, "Hey, after you do all these repairs, you say you're going to do this is what we say it's going to be worth," and they'll loan you up to the eighty or eighty-five percent of that number to do to cover all your renovation costs. So. We, and that takes place after you buy it, or is that part of the sales process? Um, you basically close. Well, I'll just run through the numbers with you. So we bought that for two eighty. We had to put down say forty thousand. Yep. Um, fifteen percent, and then so we've got there, the loan is at two forty. The appraisal said they it came in and said, hey, it's going to be worth four hundred when you're done. So they loaned us up to eighty five percent of that. Okay. So then we basically had a line of credit available to from them that we could do draws on. That was I don't know. 80 or 100,000 or so. Um, and I put it in the sweat equity. I did the the Perkins uh, Mosler method. <laughs> yeah. of just really not I always mean, recommended. Really, I um, I was still working three or four days a week with Mr. Frank. I was working at the um, at the ports, and I knew I wanted to do this, but I knew I wasn't going to have time, and I knew the deal wasn't. I wasn't going to be able to get it done if I was having to pay someone else to do it. It just the numbers weren't going to pan out and so i i went to mr frank and said hey this is a unique opportunity i want to do it um my grandfather was gonna come in and basically kind of super super tend everything you know make sure i was doing everything right because there was some big i was putting in some beams i was opening up walls stuff i'd never done before right and i was like i want to have him sitting in a chair watching me do this so frank was cool with it uh, my grandfather was sick and i didn't know you know we didn't know at the time you know, how much time we were going to have left with him. I thought this would be a unique opportunity. So basically spent the next year renovating this place, man. And um, my grandfather passed away during the middle of it, so he didn't get to see it completed. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, but, um, but man, we were super proud of it. Um, it's it the Once we were finished, the appraisal ended up coming in at even higher than what original. So the numbers were made sense. I was basically able to burr that deal. I pulled my money back out, left, eight, you know, took a loan at 80%. Had no PMI, so it was really cool. It, it really worked out great. It, those deals are hard to find now, of course, but um, you know, just a couple of years ago, that that was a reality. Um, all right, so where are we at? <laughs> so you buy your house, okay? And now, now you pull the money out. You're gonna burr it, and and you're also gonna burr the condo. Are you doing all at the same time? Or yeah, so beginning of 2020, I start looking back at that condo I had bought. Um, at this point, I've got uh, the house that I own back from 2007 is rented. I've got the condo rented and we've got the new house that we just finished completion on. And I'm starting to look, turn my eyes towards the condo um, to refinance it. And during this time, I approached one of our clients um, at Frank Moore Company and just started talking to, we had built a relationship. This is, this is a really unique thing we can get into later about for someone who's new, wanting to get started, um, you know, some good paths to go down and property management. So huge opportunity for you but i you you build relationships with your, with your clients and i built a relationship with this guy who's an older man he had owned nine of those same condos in that same complex and i just started chatting with him about 
hey, would you be interested in selling these to me? And he was really open to it. I had, he, had, he had had some pretty bad months and maybe a bad year, a lot of deferred maintenance. He just had not, he had not been really diligent about wanting to do major repairs and things that were necessary to keep properties in you know, tip top shape. And so I approached him, I said, hey, why don't we do a seller finance deal? Because he was really adamant about it. He did not want to sell these things. He did not want to sell them. He was worried about taxes. And I said, let's do a seller finance deal. And so we talked through that. And for me, he did not want to, he didn't want these things to re, be refinanced. I mean, he just it was adamant that if something happened to him, he wanted to have steady income for his wife. So we basically, we put together, I said, well, the only way I can do that is if I'm basically going to have to cash flow all the renovations. And so I can't pull my money back out. So it's got to make sense for me. So we negotiated 100% seller financing. Um, and then he gave me a pretty good little discount on the properties too. So it made sense for me to come in and do the value add. Um, with the handshake understanding that I'm going to hold these things for as long as they're living, you know, for the next, we did a 20 year note on that, but I went to Mr. Frank with the deal and, and his advice was take it slow. Um, that's a pretty insane deal though. I mean, it was great. Pretty good. Yeah. And, um, and so, but listen to his counsel and I command, cause I'm like somebody just wants to run and go <laughs> listening to his counsel. I said, okay, I'll do three at a time. I knew there was a possibility I could lose them if somebody else swept in or did something, but I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be wise about this. So we closed three in January of 2020 and we immediately had to come in and spend 20 grand renovating a couple of them. And then March or so hits, obviously we all, we all know what happens right. next, but man, that feeling. And then we, and you know, if you're listening to this and you're a real estate investor, you know, this feeling, if you had any kind of feeling of being over leveraged, just got that gut feeling of like, where is this headed? I wasn't, I was, I was spending all of my cash. I was ad, you know, I was actively investing and in. I wasn't very cash heavy. I just started thinking about doing the refinance on that first condo, which would put some cash back in my pocket. But man, that was, that was a scary moment. Where was this headed? Uh, I was having this conversation with Lee and Ian and Pat the other day, and they all were just nodding their heads when I mentioned that because it was, it was a, it was kind of a, it was a scary moment. Um, but thankfully it went the opposite direction right. for all of us. And, but it, man, that was, that was pretty pivotal to experience that because one, I was really thankful for the advice I got and about taking, taking things slow. Cause if I had had all those nine payments, man, I would have been, I would have been scared. Been tough. Yeah. Um, but man, so that year ended up being extremely good for real estate. All of us agents know, like we, I did, I did really well. We ended up closing, I think I ended up closing like 40 something properties uh, in 2020 for clients. And, and then during that process, we were taking on a few more of these with three at a time. And so, uh, and, and again, I mean, that's a, it was a, it was a great deal. Like having the seller finance thing was just a super good opportunity. And, but I was taking all my commissions and pouring it back into the renovation side of these things. So we ended up, I think we ended up closing that we did lose one, uh, Someone else uh, got one. Thankfully, he was a friend of mine, and he, he was the same guy that brought me the first deal back. And so we got to talking, and he seemed interested. So so he ended up taking one of them and closing it, you know. But it, it was kind of it you know it was it was the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, and I think we ended up closing. There was two other properties we bought in 2020. So we ended up buying ten properties. So I, you know, one in 2018, that condo, my 
main house purchase in 2019 and then turning my old house into a rental. And then we did 10 last year and to 12 rentals at this point. Yeah. 12 personal residence. Yeah. 12 rentals plus the personal residence. And I, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't feel like I was being intentional at this point. I still wasn't that opportunity you know, you could say it fell in my lap, but I mean, I, I was intentional about going after it. I spent a year having this conversation with this guy. You know, I don't want to speed yeah. through that. I mean, it wasn't something like, hey, you want to sell your properties? Yeah, let's do it. It was a year of me having this conversation and this idea and transpiring, you know, so it was a long-term relationship. And any seller finance deal is going to be like that. You're, it's going to take, It's usually people are not savvy enough to say, yeah, that makes sense for me. It's it's going to be a relationship you got to build. Um, but man, in two, that for 2021, I just had decided, I think I even had this conversation with you and Matt one day when I stopped by your property, you were renovating the duplex, um, that I just wanted to put a big goal out there. And, um, and again, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, you know, I'm just, you know, feet to the ground, just, just moving. Uh, so I, I say, man, I'm going to do 24 and 2021 and, I'd heard this quote from Brandon Turner. I'm still a big bigger pockets fanboy. Um, and he said, I don't I'm paraphrasing, but it's basically like you need to get to a place where you've got your systems in place where you're not surprised by your success. And at the end of 2020, when I looked back and saw that I bought 10 properties, I was like, man, I was really surprised. Right. I was like, wow, like <laughs> which told me like not that I did it by accident, but I just I was fortunate. I didn't, it, I was, I was very surprised by my success. I didn't have good systems in place. And so 2021, I was just, I was okay. I got to be intentional about this. So we, um, we, we set that goal and literally the next week I went and looked at this off market property, a local wholesaler was selling and it was, it was a terrible, terrible property. Um, but I left there driving away thinking, okay, I got to get 24. So how do I make this happen? And man, the immediate thought of, okay, I'm, I'm letting the tail wag the dog here. If I let the goal be the focus, right? Like I have got to be clear about what my criteria is, what I'm, what I'm looking for. And again, I'm, I'm having these moments of like, I mean, I worked a lot in 2020 at any given time. I was having, you know, 10 to 12 contracts, um, in place for clients, which is just, you'll wake up in the middle of the night. If you've never experienced that, you'll wake up in the middle of the night thinking you forgot something on this one. <laughs> Did I, for, you know, and, and it's just, it's, it's stress. It can be stressful. Uh, you're, you're obviously managing, you know, from contract to closing for people's biggest purchase. You know, there's a lot of responsibility there. Um, but man, I just, I worked so much. And then when I would buy one of these condos, I was still putting in all the sweat equity. I was the one doing the work. So I'd come home and say, Hey honey, like, we're buying another condo. There was not a whole lot of enthusiasm, you know, from my wife. She had bought into the vision and, and, and I, listen, I can't do any of what we do without her support because she's watching our girls. And, um, but, but I could tell there wasn't the same enthusiasm and excitement because she knew like this was means I was going to be gone for the next two months working on these things. So I knew something had to change. I, um, so going back to the goal and of, of 2021, you know, we start, we start, you know, hit the ground running. We've got several under contract. We've been pretty consistent about closing one a month. So I think we've bought um, another three or four this year so far. Um, and, but I decided 
with that goal, I was going to bring on a partner, another partner. Um, and so I brought on one of my good friends, Rob Dickerson. He's a, he's a general contractor here in the area. He owns a company called Half Moon Custom Homes. And he had he had started investing. He was had been one of my clients. He had bought, him and another guy had bought some properties. And he and I were pretty aligned vision-wise. And but I knew he was gonna take a, a piece of this whole journey away from me, that burden of having to be on site doing the renovations, because he had great systems in place as a general contractor. He wasn't swinging hammers. So, and that was nerve wracking. I mean, you're giving up, you know, a big portion of these deals. And, uh, but man, the very first deal, um, we closed on it. I brought the deals to the table. We closed on it and I'm still having these doubts. We're, we're pretty transparent through this process. I mean, we were, we were expressing our doubts with one another, but man, three weeks after three or four weeks after walking into the property, after we closed and I come in and everything's been demoed sheetrock is up there's people there working it's a great feeling oh man <laughs> i mean I, I did nothing you know and yeah. that was that was a huge change i mean a huge change so um so man yeah that's just been really great uh, I, I should say I, i've got partners on seven of the other condos too i got a partner on the seven of the other condos but he he and i are more equal like he he was more bringing some financing to the table and really just partner but I was still pretty much managing most of the day-to-day stuff on that. But this partnership has just been, man, it's been great. It's been really good. I feel like I've been talking the whole time. <laughs> That's how it's supposed to be, man. Um, yeah. Nobody wants to hear, no one wants to hear from me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then your long-term strategy. So are you just going to continue doing the rentals then? Or are you planning to get into flips a little bit? Or, or you're just, I just want to buy and hold everything. Don't sell. Um, man, the temptation. <laughs> in this market the temptation to sell stuff is 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 really high we are going to do some flips we're you know i'm in a, we're in a unique position rob is a contractor he's got his business you know i'm a longshoreman at the port and i'm an agent to me the only reason to do flips is to generate active income it is and people are going to disagree. That's okay. You know, that's the cool thing about real estate. There's so many different avenues. There's not really no right way to do it. But to me, if you're in the business of flipping, you're just constantly creating a job for yourself. And so it really just, it, you have to start with the end in mind. What is it I really want? And if you want to continue that hustle, man, go kill it, make a lot of money. I'm not going to be mad at you. That's awesome. For me, I eventually, I want to, I want to be the Aaron, Aaron Miller's of the world, you know, like, like that, you know, when you find a golden goose, like don't, don't go sell it, you know, keep it, let it keep generating the eggs for you. It's, you know, the misnomer is that the misidea is that if I flip it, I'll make this $40,000. And if I keep it, I'm only going to get $200 a month cash flow. That's not really it's not really one or the other. It's it's if I flip it, I make forty thousand minus taxes, or if I keep it, I still have the forty thousand dollars on my net worth on my balance sheet. But I'm just that money is making me whatever the cash flow is. So for me, when I'm analyzing a deal, I'm more concerned with the cash flow and the cash on cash return. Those are really the only two variables I care about. Obviously, I care about location. I want it to be in a, an area that you know I care about. It's not, but those are really the only two variables I care about. If my cash on cash, and, and honestly, Josh, like anything I'm buying, it's getting at least a 25% cash on cash return. 
um, usually higher. Um, I'm going to experience an infinite cash on cash return for the first time this year, which is pretty cool with a Burr deal. Um, but, but to me, like if I'm, I've got enough active income, I'm generating that from two other jobs. I don't need to flip. That being said, anything I do flip, we're going to take that and roll it into another deal. I would love for these things to be paid for one day. I want to be, I want to go down that path for me. I just want to continue to build the portfolio stay really conservative on my loan to value rates. Um, because when inflation starts coming, if I have 20 houses, that's going to look a lot better than if I just had two and a lot of cash. Yeah. So, um, and that's the other thing too, these guys, you know, that are flipping like, man, you know, they're flipping it into some fiat money. I'd rather have it in the real estate and, and let it stay there. But we are going to do a couple flips. I, and, and, you know, going back to selling, I'm actually, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm I'm actually probably gonna sell my first house this year, the one I bought in 2007. What? Yeah, it it's appreciated, man, to like um, a value I never thought. Obviously, the the debt has been paid down over the last 13 or 14 years, and I still qualify for to sell it tax free because I've lived there two of the last five years. Um, there, will, I'll be I'll have a little bit of tax burden on the few grand I've depreciated, um, but man, I'm gonna take that money. And I'm I'm still not convinced on this. So you know, if somebody looks back six <laughs> months from now, and I, I didn't do it. Don't don't hate me. But uh, my plan is to take the money and put it into another investment, maybe in somewhere that's going to continue to cash flow, but also have more opportunity for appreciation. Maybe do you that, think that that one's reaching the peak? Who knows? I it's gonna it's over two hundred thousand, and this is a starter house in Effingham County. It's a twelve hundred something square foot house, and I just. I mean, maybe it goes to 250, but I just, I don't know. I, I just can't imagine that being the case. When it's in, so hot out there right now. It's crazy. Well, you know, and eventually, I don't foresee it happening anytime in the immediate future, but eventually interest rates are going to have to come back up. And once they do, the the amount of house that people are going to be able to afford is going to go down, which means these starter homes, I just I just foresee they, you know, they would have to go down in value. So, um, and I still, you know, because it would be, not be a taxable event for me, um, I, I think I'm going to take advantage of it and then move the money somewhere else. Let me ask you this kind of something that you just kind of touched on real quick, which is that you have two jobs and also are investing in real estate. So, um, I think a lot of people, we get into real estate, we see a little bit of success mm. and we jump ship. Yeah. Right. You're making money. Why not? But there is an advantage in not being tied down, like not being burdened because you have like the job to support you while you're doing real estate. Would you say like, has that helped you out a lot? Man, that is, that is key. So your income is your greatest wealth building tool. And the more active income you can have, the greater opportunities you're going to have to build wealth. Um, eventually when, once your investments outweigh your active income, your investments start making you more money. You know, it's hard for to be a 25-year-old yeah. like yourself or 34-year-old to realize that. But, you know, your 50-year-olds of the world or your 60-year-olds that have done really well, they can probably attest to that. So right now, my, my income is still my biggest wealth-building tool. And so, you know, part of it is I've got to be really intentional about where I'm spending that money, how I'm in investing it. But also, you know, i got to be careful not to spend it on frivolous things. You know, I'm still, I've gone the Kiyosaki route with the rich dad, poor dad, understanding good debt and bad debt. 
Um, but I still, I don't have any consumer debt. I have no debt other than real estate. And if you want to be successful, if you want to be a successful real estate investor and you want to go far, avoid the car payments and avoid the credit cards and avoid the new TVs and, and all the things. I mean, really, I mean, it's delayed pleasure. Ultimately, that's what it is. You'll hear Dave Ramsey talk about that. Like the delayed pleasure is the greatest sign of maturity. And you've got, you mean, you, you, you just have to get to a place where you say, what do I really want? And, and you've got to, you've got to get on that and you've got to just hustle and do it. Um, but yeah, I, I say, you know, it is two jobs. I, I've, I've created an opportunity for me to still have a lot of free time with my girls. I don't, I don't want it to sound like I'm a workaholic. I'm not. Um, but it didn't happen overnight. I mean, if I had car payments, listen, I've got buddies who have, are making tons of money that have businesses that are making way more money than I could even imagine making. And I think I have a better life. Like I just, because they've got all the toys and they've got all the things. And I'm just, I'm just don't care to have that. I'd rather one day, one day I'll have it. Like we were talking about this before. Like what, what guy our age doesn't want a Tesla? Like, yeah, I want that man. Like mainly cause I just don't want to drive anymore. I want it to drive me around. Um, but if I can't pay cash for that, I don't want it. Um, I was actually on their website, just looking around like, and put in, okay, let me just do 72 months, $1,300 a month. Like, that's what one of my tenants is paying for rent, you know? Oh, yeah. It's, it's crazy. Insane, yeah. But, I mean, you pass the Tesla dealership, you're like, eh, yeah. just pull in here real quick. Have, have you test drive one? Have it? No. Oh, yeah. I don't want to do that to myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and, you know, another good example is uh, in, in 2019, no, 2020, one of the condos I bought. So, I come in. I'd, I'd closed on one of the condos. I think it was in December. And this guy I work with, he's a longshoreman. And, uh, man, he rolls in with this brand new truck. And I just was thinking, like, I paid, I think, 53000 for this condo. It was the almost the exact dollar amount he paid for this truck. And, you know, I, we, we, we're good friends, so we poke at each other. But, you know, it was just, it was a true reality that I've got this asset that's going to go up in value, that's going to put $1,000 a month in my pocket, you know, prior to expenses. Yeah. And then he's got this thing that's going down in value that he's paying $800 a month payment on. You are not going to build long-term wealth making those kind of decisions. Like, no, period. Yeah. Like, you have got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, okay, I got to clean up all my debt. Like, clean up my debt. Get an emergency fund. That's the other part, too. Like, it's not just about cleaning up your debt. Like, you need to make sure you can weather storms. You need to have some reserves in the bank. And, you know, I've read the Brandon Turner book, low and no money down real estate investing. I've used it. I mean, the, the seller finance deals that I did, these are possible. Like people can do them. You need to learn how to do it. You need to make sure you, you know, structure things correctly. But, um, but man, more importantly, you need to have reserves because when you have all these rental properties or you're doing flips, even like, man, you've got to have savings. I read a great book. My attorney gave me last year called the road, less stupid, go read it because I do not want to be the guy that went broke in 2008. I don't want to be that guy. And, it's coming eventually. Like there's going to be some sort of correction. I don't, I don't think we're going back to a 2008, but you know, there's going to be opportunities where people are going to lose money and you need to be able to make sure that's not going to be detrimental. It's okay to lose money in real estate. There's going to be times where that's going to happen, but you don't want to be crippling, you know, so, yeah. you know, and that's, and that's the risk reward things that we take, but that's how you mitigate risk to me is, is making sure you have a good nest egg and savings going forward. Like how big do you want your portfolio to get then? 
<laughs> I know we talked, touched on it a little bit, but I was going to to put you on the spot. Yeah, how high of a mountain do you want the mountain climber <laughs> yeah. to climb? I mean, yeah. you know, so this is a good question because if you would have asked me this six months ago, I would have said, man, 100 units, 200 units, you know, who knows? I There's a new book coming out by Michael Hyatt, and I'm going to butcher the title, but it's basically like um, living a successful life and and – succeeding at life and winning at work or something, something like that. And he, he, he basically outlines like, like what really defines a happy life and man, real estate work is addictive. I mean, when you, if you've ever secured a deal in real estate, it is the most addictive thing. Like oh, yeah. it is awesome. It is so fun when you negotiate these deals or you, you buy a property and, if, you, and if you've never done that, like, when you do your first one, it is it is a very addicting thing. And then you come home and it's time to sit down with your four-year-old and play Barbies on the floor um, for an hour. There's no like high fives. I mean, but, and so it's easy to allow the work to start overtaking some of the other more important things in your life. Um, and you know, when I'm, we all know when we're 80 years old, we're on our deathbed or whatever, you know, however, you know, we're all going to look back and say, yeah, I wish we could go back and spend more times on the living room floor and not the deals, but that's not really how we act today. And so I'm kind of going through this second, you know, crisis thing in my mind to really just examine, to ask myself, like, what do I really want? Because when someone says they want a hundred units, like, like, what do you really want? And if you want the hundred units because you want the lifestyle, it's going to give you the freedom. It's going to give you, that's okay. But my guess is that once you get to a hundred, you're not going to say, okay, Oh yeah. now I'm going to start enjoying the life. No man. Cause it's so addicting. You're going to go to 110 and then you're going to go to 150. And that's scary to me in some sense that I keep, I keep saying, Hey, that peak right there, if I can just get there, then I can spend some time with the family and enjoy but we all know there's like another peak beyond that, you know? So, um, so for me, I'm trying to put systems in place now that I, I want to continue to grow. And then this isn't a, this isn't an either, or that's the other thing I want to make a point. Like, I'm not saying like you can either have, you know, the happy life at home or you can have the successful career. Cause I don't think that's true. I think you can have both. I think it's just, I am at a place right now. I'm trying to be really intentional with my time so that when I'm home, I'm home, I'm present when I'm working, I'm working. Um, and I don't know where the ceiling is. I don't think there ever will be a ceiling for me. I'm just, I, I have found something I'm so passionate about. I'm going to continue to do Lord willing when I'm 90 years old. Uh, I want to move into a position one day where I'm doing more teaching other people how to do it. Um, I hate when I see people living paycheck to paycheck and feeling hopeless. I was there, you know, I was almost experiencing foreclosure and all these other things. So I want to give people hope and desire to do that. So I foresee there's a point where I'll move into more of that desire to like teaching people, but I can't imagine not continue to grow my portfolio. I think I'm just getting smarter and smarter and have more systems in place. We want to have people we can hire to do things. We're starting, there's a book, um, uh, who not how I think is, uh, the book. So we're trying to find who's to do things instead okay. of asking how to do it. Yeah. Um, and again, part of that providing people opportunities. You know, I was when I was making twelve or fifteen dollars an hour work doing you know accounting at a property management company part time. 
I was rubbing elbows with a lot of people that made a lot more money than that. And that goes back to the idea. If you're looking to try to get started in this, uh, man, that's a great avenue to go down, get involved in a property management company. The girl who's a receptionist at our property management company owns two rental properties. Like, like, dude, like you don't have any excuses, you know? So, um, but yeah, I think, you know, I don't know where the peak is. I'll continue to go down this path, but I'm just trying to be smarter about my time. I don't want, my four-year-old or five-year-old to say, daddy, get off your phone, you know, because it's addictive. It's hard. So, which I think Brandon, uh, or in the, in my let episode, they talked about that a little bit about the phones. Cause I've actually been really intentional. I don't know you just saying, I just sprung it up in my head, mm-hmm. but about how like Ed was like talking about how he let his work like overtake his life. And he would like come home and he'd be like playing with his daughter and he'd be like, Oh, one sec, let me just get on my phone. Oh, Next man. thing you know, he turns around and his daughter's gone. And, uh, my daughter's never gone. She just follows me. Right <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm experienced that for sure. And Especially said, yesterday. And he said, you don't even realize it, but to that kid, you know, to your kids, like you're, you're showing your kid that that phone is more important than they are. Yes. And he said like, and something that I need to get a little bit better about. I still haven't like fully implemented it cause it's hard, you know, yeah. but, uh, he said for the first hour he gets home every day, just leaves his car, his phone in the car. Yeah. Leaves in the car and walks inside. Dude, that's good. Yeah, I remember him talking about that. Yeah, and I've been really thinking on that lately because the cell, you know, the phone. I think back in the day when you did business, you didn't have a cell phone, so it was like a little bit easier. You could just like cut it off. Yeah. But now in a day and age where we have like electronics all around us, and especially a cell phone that's just in our pocket, dude, it's it's hard to it's hard to get away from work. Yeah. Well, here's you know here's one more thing. I'm I went from a career uh, as a longshoreman. I mean, it was a, you know. Supposed to be, <laughs> yeah, you know, eight, eight to five kind of thing, <laughs> nine to five. Um, but you know what I'm getting at is when I left, I left. Right. That was it. Yeah. Like until the next morning when I went in early, I did my tires or you know everything I had to do, and then when I left, I left. And so I, you know, and I was doing that for ten plus years. I never had that. And then when I move into real estate, all of a sudden this is creeping into every aspect of your life. And if you know, ultimately you're gonna have to say no to someone. And you know, I don't want my nose to be to my five-year-old. You know, I'm going to disappoint someone. And, you know, I don't want to disappoint my clients either. But I also want to make sure, am I setting clear expectations and boundaries and all those things too. So, um, and most people are understanding, you know, like, I, but again, it just goes back to the addictive thing, man. Because it's not even so, I, dude, when you get a deal as a wholesale, when you do a wholesale yeah. and somebody says, hey, yeah, I'm interested in selling my house because you're answering a postcard, bro, you will literally throw your fork down to, yeah. go, to go answer that call or text message, you know, because it it's is like, exciting. it is like a drug, you know? It so, really is. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, you know, are you at a place where you can say, hey, no, no calls at the dinner table or no calls after this? Now you're going to lose out on deals and you just got to be okay with that. You know, that's the thing. And I think it's all about how you set it up though, too. Sure, so like yeah. I've been, so another, another, so we're kind of getting into some stuff that I've been struggling with lately, which is, uh, I don't, do you ever follow Ryan, Ryan Dossie at all? Mm-mm. I know so the name. He's a big investor. Yeah. He made his bunch of money off wholesaling. But anyway, he said, you can either build a business that you work for or build a business that works for you. Sure. And so like, and kind of you said not what or not who, how, but who, who not who? how? Yeah, who not how? Yeah, yeah, and it kind of goes back to that, right? Why? I mean, should you even be answering your phone after five o'clock? Why right. don't you have somebody that does that for you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's the same thing with the four quadrants that Kiyosaki talks about in that book. You know that most people just have uh, they're just paying their own paycheck, um, and that's true for me as an agent right now. Like if I stop working as an agent, I'm going to stop getting paid as an agent. Um, 
And it's about trying to look at a way to grow a business where it's not dependent upon me and my actions. Ultimately, I'm, I'm getting there from the investing side. I'm, 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 I've really moved into a realm of doing the things that bring me the most joy and finding other people to do the things that feel really heavy. And so I'm, I'm working on getting there. So let me ask you this. What kind of like educational resources are you using to like, to like continue your, your education? Well, I'm still a bigger pockets fanboy. I listen to that podcast every day. You know, people, do you get on their website at all or just the podcast? So their website, I, I, I use their calculators actually. So their bird calculators and their uh, rental property calculators are actually, I mean, they're, they're basic, but they're really good. They, they're really good for me to use with my clients too. Most people aren't getting into the, you know, IRRs and all, all this other thing. So, um, so they're really good to, to give to someone who's a new investor and I still use them for me too. They're just a quick, I can pop in some, a few things to see if it's hitting those two numbers. Cause I'm really only looking for those two things. If, right. it, if it hits those two things, I'll do the deal. Um, and now it's more as we're thinking about capital for me. Um, I'm, I'm conscious about being able to pull my capital back out. And I started moving into doing some private money, um, investors too. And so I've structured a couple of deals recently with some private money. And so I'm conscious about that. I want to make sure I'm getting there. I got enough, you know, meat on the bone to get them paid out and uh, move forward. Obviously, like because I am working two jobs, I'm still saving, and I still have an opportunity to leave some cash in the deal. But I'm trying to avoid that when I can. Uh, other educational resources I read a lot. Um, gosh, I listen to. I, I like to listen to startup podcasts. I like to listen to the founder stories of people there's so much meat and nuggets to learn there so i listened to how i built this with guy Raz pretty religiously um you, you know because you, you it's easy to look at people who have been successful in different arenas in life and think oh wow they just did it but man it's never a get you know it's never overnight yeah. success it's always it's always people standing on a ton of failures is when they get to success and so um but I don't know, man. I just I I like to read. I'm always I mean I'm always listening. I don't listen to music much anymore. It's you know basically the Zig Ziglar Cars University, yeah, you know, Mobile University. So, um, but yeah, I, maybe we can put something in your show notes or something. Some books I recommend. I will tell you a book that's been super impactful for me as an agent and as an investor, and it's a book called The Go Giver. And it's gonna sound super new agey, but it's five catastrophic five stratospheric laws of success i think is what it is and he outlines these and the book is written kind of like a story allegory type um but man it really lays out like true the true business practice of if you just serve people really well and you are a go-giver don't don't have a scarcity mindset give people if someone asks like hey you got a good painter don't have the mindset, oh man, if I send them got my guy, um, that means he might not have time to work on my jobs. No, like be a go giver. Give to people and it will always it will always come back in reciprocity. Um The more not, you give, the more you'll get. It's just like a Yeah. Which you shouldn't give for the wrong reasons, but well, I'm just saying like Well so yeah, I mean absolutely. And it does it's not so much that you're gonna get, it's just that if you have that mindset you're just you're never going to be disappointed either man yeah. like you're not living a life that's like man what can i get out of this relationship um and here, here's a good example 
um, I had this guy approach me. He had this deal, and it was a duplex, and it was it was in like the Arsley Park area. It was like a really good deal. And he's you know he's new. He said, "Hey man, I got this under contract at you know two ten was the purchase price. Um, would you look at it and just let me know if you think it's a good deal? I should move forward." And I started pulling my comps. And I'm like, "Dude, this thing's like three seventy five probably." This is you know. Your, your place was actually a comp that I was pulling, looking at it. And I told him, I said, dude, you should do the deal. And so he, but he, but he told me he was doing an FHA loan. I was like, eh, cause I knew both sides were rented. And I said, man, I'm not sure you're going to be able to close that. You need to, I just want you to be prepared. They're, they might not allow you to do that. And sure enough, like two or three weeks later, he comes back and he says, man, I can't do the FHA loan. And I already told him about a lender that he should look at. It was 20% down. Um, but he said, man, I don't have 20%. He said, I'm just going to let you do the deal. I want you to do the deal. You can have it. Now, I could have in that moment taken the deal. And he probably have been glad to learn. But I was just like, no, no, no. Okay, I'm going to keep the go-giver mindset. I said, man, you can do the deal. He had enough to do 10% down. I said, go back to the seller. Tell him if he can do a 10% seller carry for 12 months, you'll bring the 10% down. The bank was going to fund the rehab for him that I hooked him up with. And uh, he said, okay, dude, the next day he calls me. He's like, the guy said he'll do it. You know, and so that was that was a lot of joy I got from that. Now, that turned into a meeting with this guy, and he had like 40 other properties. So I'm thinking, man, maybe this is like the go-giver mindset that's going to pay off here. But again, I just tried to be servant-minded, not thinking through it. Right. And um, so I, the guy had sent us the properties, all the 40 properties. We were analyzing them. And... Uh, you know, we had made an offer on some. We just couldn't really come to terms on them. Um, so didn't end up getting the deal. And nothing may ever come out of that. I'm going to continue to help serve this other guy. But, you know, it's just an example of like that right there. Like if you have that mindset, that is the that is the key to my success. When I did 43 properties in 2019, it was because I just, I just was intentional about wanting to help other people and not thinking about, you know, what can I gain from this? And you smell different, man. As an agent, like if you're not desperate for the commission – you're not just thinking about that. Like if you're really out trying to serve people and help them, like you smell different to people. You do. And my broker always tell, I don't know what book this is from, but he says, Hey, you serve people really well. They're going to give you certificates of appreciation with president's faces on them. And that's, <laughs> that's it. I mean, that's really what it is, you know? So like that book to me, if you can digest that book and really implement um, the key, what the five stratospheric laws of success, if you implement those into your business, man, you are going to be phenomenally successful. I think that's like a great segue into okay. like day one, because I feel like it's probably going to tie into what you just said, right? This might even, you might, what you just said might honestly answer the question, but if you had to like go back and talk to yourself like day one, um, what advice would you give yourself? Day one, like 2018, don't buy that freaking house in 2007. <laughs> uh, I mean, go back as no, far as no, you want. I mean, you, know, like, you know, listen, I spent I spent 10 years cussing real estate. Like, I don't ever want anything to do. Um, you know, but obviously, you know, all that was ordained for a purpose and it's all come back. You know, it's, you know, I never lost the house. You know, that's a good testament. The, the worst investment I ever bought was in 2017. I mean, 2007. And today it's the best operating house in my portfolio. And so that was a good testament that time with real estate, it heals, it will heal things, you know? So going back, if I did, you know, if, if I was telling someone, and I do this a lot, actually, a lot of people approach me. So, you know, one thing I'll tell people is get into, 
if you like your job, if you're not like just, you just hate your job, don't quit your job. Okay. Keep your job. You need that. You need that. You need money to invest. I know that, I know that we always read the books about low and no money down and you can do this, but man, you need money. Like you got to have money to, to get into this. You can borrow it from mama. You can get do a partnership with uncle Henry or wh- whoever, but you got to have somebody that's got money. You can be the hustle. You can go find the deals, but money is necessary. You know, good credit, all that stuff is it's absolutely necessary. So make sure you got all that stuff in order. So I would say, make sure you got your personal financing in order. Um, I wish I would have done that sooner. I wish that I would have gotten started way sooner and not gotten all this credit card debt and everything I was in. So that's probably key number one. Get your personal finances in order. Get out of debt um, and then open up that income. If you hate your job, I would say get into an industry where you can rub shoulders with the right people. I tell young people all the time, if you can get a job doing something with property management, our maintenance guy has like 25 units or something like that. Dang. Like, and, and when he started with Mr. Frank, like he didn't have anything, you know, like, and he was doing our maintenance and now, and and that's the key, man, get involved with something. And property management is just a good avenue because your most agents are not investor minded. Most, most agents just don't get the investment, man. Most agents don't even own real estate. I mean, that's like going to a stockbroker who doesn't own any stocks. I mean, in my mind, you know, so. Dave Ramsey says, would you go to uh, marriage counseling from somebody who's divorced? Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, it's true. Um, I don't, or would you get financial advice from somebody who's broke? I guess that's what yeah. that, I should give it in context. Yeah, yeah. Not, sure. Nothing is divorced people. Yeah. Just <laughs> but, you know, property management, I don't think people realize like the property manager, if, you know, if they've got a few hundred properties, they're usually dealing with over a hundred active investors. Um, some of these are people that are accidental investors that would be happy to sell their property tomorrow. Um, some of them are like really wealthy guys or gals that um, would be happy to go out to lunch with you. You know, so there's just so much opportunity there to learn and you're getting paid to do it. You know, like even if you're making $35,000 a year as a property manager or whatever it is, like you're going to have opportunities. You got to be a licensed agent, but you know, you, you've got to have opportunities to go get commissions. Um, but man, I'm telling you, like, put it, the young person I would tell, like, don't worry about what you're going to earn. Like, focus on what you can learn. And that career path is great. But there's tons, like contracting, um, you know, lending. There's ton, There's tons of, of avenues you could go down. So that would be the second thing I would say. If you hate your job, move into a position where you can be more closely. But if, um, but the key is really is the cash. Um education um you know this finding a good agent honestly like finding a good agent who is doing this that can serve you and help you um here's the challenge that a lot of us are having right now is the market is stupid hot it's hard to find deals deals are so tight for the first time i'm actually having to compete with some of my clients and i'm i'm honest with them like i'll send them a deal uh, and say, hey guys, this is just came on the MLS. I feel like I have a duty to send it to you, but just so you know, like me and my partner might be making an offer on it too. Um, so I try to be really honest about that, and that's been the challenge because I'm actually trying to move away from being an agent. I want to be more of an investor because again, it's hard for, if, if, when I find myself competing with my clients. That's not it's not a fun place to be. Yeah. You know? um, 
and and I, sh- I should say like that has only happened twice, but it happened and it was like, it's not, I just don't want to be in that position. Yeah. You know? it feels so, weird. yeah. Um, but there's been times, man, I'll send deals to people that I would have bought, but I'm just like, man, this person's really been wanting to find a deal. And again, going back to like, my joy is going to come from helping them succeed. So hopefully that answered the question. I'm <laughs> long winded there. I think so. I think that's the, uh, I think that's a good place to end. Okay. Well, thanks for having me, man. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah. That's great. Um, I'll catch up with you. Oh, is there somewhere somewhere can fi- they can find you? People can find you. All right. Do you want to be found? Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> well, so there's a little selfish plug. Um, I when I you know back when I was in college, I went to, for graphic design. So one of the things I've started this past year is a little small little t-shirt apparel thing called Real Estate Hustler. You want to talk about that? I do want to talk right. about that, well, dude. I almost. You almost just let me end this podcast without even talking about real estate hustler. Okay, well let me let me say this. I'm so sorry. No, dude, I don't <laughs> care. No, like, but what I can say is rehustler.com. I've got, um, you know, I've got some fun shirts on there, and I'm going to continue to do stuff. But I've got a vendor list on there. Like, if you're getting started or you need to know who a good painter is or whatever, like, I'm just really again the go giver mindset. I'm just I got it all on there. Uh, my contact information is on there. You can feel free to message me. I'd love to. And it'll be in the description on here. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'll put the plug in. Um, And I will, you know, real estate hustler, it's not really about the apparel. That's just something fun. I'm just scratching an itch. I'm losing. (laughs) I'm losing a ton of money on that, just to be frank. I'm giving away more crap than than I, I, uh, you know, am making money on. But uh, really, it's just I've always had a passion about graphic design. So it's just giving me an avenue to enjoy that artistic side of things. Um, and so uh, yeah, I'll, I'll hook you up with a promo code too. Okay. Uh, just do MPG and, you, and then anybody that wants to buy something, you get 20% off. Um, MPG. Yeah. Promo. Code. What? Thanks. Man. Um, but, um, but let me, let me say why that started. That started because when I became an agent, I cannot stand and I'm, I'm apologize to anyone that has this, like, I'm. I'm secretly judging you, but, um, you know, you'll get your friend invitations from, um, Jane Doe's realty. You know, if you've got a friend on Facebook named Jane Doe yeah. and then you get the Facebook invite from Jane Doe realtor. And I've just always just kind of been squeamish about that type of marketing because so many agents don't do this well. They position themselves as the heroes instead of the Donald Miller approach of like, you got to be the guide. And you got to let your customer or your client be the hero. And so I was really challenged with trying to figure out a way to, how do I, how do I advertise? I mean, I got to market. I got to market myself as an agent. I also want to market myself as an investor. I want people to know I'm doing this, but I don't like how icky it feels when I'm like, hey, look, I did this. Yeah, right. So I started the Real Estate Hustler kind of channel brand. And so I post all my deals through there. I post anything you know real estate related through there. And then me as an individual, I share this and say, hey, look. Look what this is. You look know, what this look like what, random company is well, doing. Well, no, I mean, th- people know it's me, but <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. but look what my company's doing. Yeah, you know, it's it's the way you know it's the way you get to brag about your product um, without making it feel like I'm bragging about myself. Because right, yeah. as an agent, you are the brand. Like anybody, a monkey can sell a house in this market. Yeah, you know, um, but you are the brand. Like your counsel, your advice, your um, your expertise you bring to the client is what really is the value you're bringing. Um, your experience through that. So, so that's how real estate uh, hustler started. Where it's going, uh, I don't know. I do want to do. I do want to. I do want to build a network and a community of of investors. The apparel stuff. I want to. I'm I'm really intentional about making sure that 
that the real estate hustler brand isn't really front and center, but rather I want people to be able to wear a shirt that says, basically, I'm a real estate hustler. Like, talk to me about real estate. I've got sweat equity. I've got this. I buy houses. All those things. Oh, when I'm wearing it in public, I'm always thinking like. Yeah, yeah. like I want that to engage conversation with you. I want it to ultimately. When The first time I ever hear that that shirt is going to lead to a deal, I am going to be over the moon, <laughs> you know, about that. So, yeah, that that's that's my selfish plug for. So, uh, realestatehustler.com or is it rehustler.com? Man, this guy. If somebody wants to go do some homework and find this guy up in New Jersey that owns realestatehustler.com, I've, he just he won't negotiate with me to get it, but uh, I'm willing to pay some decent money for it if somebody wants to go bird dog for me. Uh, yeah, so it's rehustler.com right now. Promo uh, code MPG. Uh, yeah, when you go to checkout, use promo code MPG. All right, guys, so go buy some stuff. Yeah. Support the cause. Put me. You won't put me in the... You won't put me in the black as much as I'm in the red right now, but it'll help. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for coming on. And uh, Absolutely. Yeah, right. man. This is a lot of fun. Thanks, man. Take it easy.